We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My guest this week on the Rotowire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast is Anthony Amico of Establish the Run and the Football Guys. Anthony is a longtime experienced Dynasty Fantasy Football player who currently does the Dynasty and Rookie work over at Establish the Run. I highly recommend you take a look at his work over there. Anthony's Dynasty philosophy is a wide receiver first in Dynasty startup drafts, which naturally means he needs to find running back values if he's going to fill out his roster. On this episode, Anthony and I identify the top seven best running back values in Dynasty Fantasy Football. Funny enough, Anthony was highlighting young players that you can get at the end of your draft, where I was looking at the veteran players that you can get in the mid-round picks, still at a value, players that go higher in the redraft ranks. I know you'll enjoy this conversation with Anthony Amico of Establish the Run. How long have you been playing Dynasty for? Oh, a long time. Um, probably, I mean, probably at least a decade. Yep. And were you you were obviously a regular redraft player before that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how I got started. It's just like that's everyone's that's everyone's gateway. I feel like, but then it's like you find out that you can hold these players for longer and and make it more of like a GM experience, and that that's enticing. Did did you do that disaster thing in your first startup where you basically drafted like a redraft league and then before in like year three you're like uh oh I have I have every guy that's about to fall my first three round picks are about to fall out of the league oh dude it's so funny because like you know like my first dynasty league is just like with all my friends mm-hmm. so like yeah like I I think I did do that but like so did everybody else so <laughs> just you know like played the league out like the first couple of years and then i think like three or four years in we're like should we just like redraft this because i think we all just collectively did this wrong <laughs> right so you got a you got a mulligan you got to get a jail free card my first one with my homeling friends i'm still in it's like 11 years later 9 years later something like that and you know couple how with that philosophy with like three of the world's worst trades, which I'll reveal to you later on. But, you know, it's I'm just now digging out of the hole now from five years ago, which, as you know, and and, and that's why I wanted to talk to you um, specifically. And if you notice, I talked I want to talk to you about running back values. That's our main topic. We're going to talk about that today. But specifically, because when you participated in the Rotowire magazine mock, I noticed you're a wide receiver heavy player. So yep. I strategically picked running back as our topic because I want to know how wide receiver heavy players take care of the running back position because i mean you really pushed it to the edge in the magazine mock yeah and that's that's kind of our philosophy at etr um you know like our dynasty ranks are really wide receiver heavy like we're really low i think versus the industry pretty much i think we're probably the lowest on 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 all these running backs um just because you know year over year like of course you need those points like no one's going to argue that you don't need running back points in fantasy football but the stuff that you see in redraft that maybe devalues running back a little bit is compounded, I think, a lot more in Dynasty because you extend these you extend these runways more than a year, you know, um, and the pitfalls of the position in terms of injury, in terms of um, you know contract stability, uh, workload, all those things I think just become more and more compounded, and it, it becomes a lot more difficult I think to to make a, a big investment long term in that position. 
Yeah, on the audio version of this uh, podcast, I'll have done an intro for you so everybody know. But anyone uh, that's watching the video, of course, I'm with Anthony Amico, who does amazing dynasty work for Establish the Run. And I saw in your uh, Twitter profile, do you do some writing also for football guys? Yeah, I do. Uh, I do projections and, uh, you know, participate in like roundtable stuff like here and there uh, kind of content, I guess. Mm hmm. Okay, and you're so you're working full time, doing this stuff full time. So, I mean, how many hours a week are you able to put into this stuff? And and also, how do you do it? Because, like I told you already, I, I taught you know in public school, and it, it knocked me out. I, I couldn't do both. I, I was spinning in my head. So, how do you manage <laughs> your life? And you said that you have a family too, right? You do pay attention to them. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, I think. Uh, my wife would say I work too much, but, uh, which is, she's right. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get better at it, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, being able to balance everything is really just about being efficient. Like that's kind of what I pride myself in is efficiency. You know, like I've really streamlined a few processes for myself in, in, in a bunch of the things that I do just to cut, cut hours out that you don't have to spend doing stuff basically. And then you get more time to do the stuff that you want to do. So What's your overall dynasty philosophy? Well, let's start with it. How many dynasty leagues are you currently in right now? Uh, I'm in two main ones that I that I really I would say devote most of my time to, uh, with like a couple guys in the industry. Uh, Mike Leone like started these these leagues up for us, and uh, they've been a lot of fun. These like best ball super flex dynasty leagues, like deep rosters, like those are. Those so are the best the to be- me. The, the best ball, right, because there's no – you don't have to think about it. Now, he, I, I'm mixed on the best ball thing, and I'm in a couple of the best ball-style dynasty leagues too. One, it's great because with all the stuff going on in your life, you don't have to like deal with the minutia of, of Thursday changes and all that stuff. But I found – and I'm in – I'm ashamed to admit this. I'm in 30 dynasty leagues. And by the way, I don't say that with pride. I say that with a lot of shame because <laughs> – I'm I'm one of these draft addicts, I know. But I find that I, you know, I'm not as engaged in those leagues. But when you're in two leagues, that's a different story because you're you're locked in on those leagues. So I guess really, are you going to be doing any more startups uh, this year, maybe next year, or got to see as they come? Yeah, that's always the question, right? Um, so I was trying to do, I was trying to get in a couple of these FFPC leagues because I think that, you know, they obviously make it really easy for you to, to get involved and, and, and participate. Um, but they just weren't filling fast enough, like in the summer. So now I'm like, now I'm really kind of like just dialed in on, on some of this other stuff I have to do. So I'm, I'm going to readdress this, I think over the next couple months or definitely for next year. I mean, like the, the startup stuff is so fun. Like it's so addicting, but I'm really trying to, I'm trying to, to be smart because I was in a similar position to you, uh, maybe like a handful of years ago. And I was like, all right, like, I think I have to be responsible here and, and try to limit this. No, no, you know, you're right. Like I said, it's like, it's one of those things where it's literally kind of like, uh, it's a, you know, it's a drug. You get that high from the startup draft and then you look and you're like, Oh my God, I have to make 30 changes, pickups, all that stuff. It's, it, it really is wild. So I guess well, let's start with your overall dynasty philosophy. Let's start with, if you're in a startup, I know FFPC is, is uh two receivers, two flex, but let's talk in terms of super flex draft, um, three receivers, couple flexes, because those are a lot of leagues that are starting to pop up now where, you know, just these maniacal sick leagues where there's tons of starters. So what is your, we already talked that you're a little bit wide receiver heavy, but what's your overall dynasty philosophy in a startup? Yeah, I mean, just win now all the time. Like, I, I think that like, I think that we're in position in dynasty still where like, you know, you can get those core building blocks early. Uh, but there's still going to be plenty of players like throughout your startup that can help you win immediately. Like guys who are maybe like fifth to eighth round kind of redraft values that you get in like the teens in a startup. Um, so that really puts you in position to get, again, like you can, it's not like you have to be in kind of the position we talked about earlier where like you have all these one year, two year guys and, and you're dust in a couple of years. Like you can get those those younger building blocks early, those those core players, guys. Again, preferably at receiver, um, quarterback, and in, in super flex that can be on your team for a long time, be really productive, and then you fill out your roster with the guys who are more interchangeable, the guys who you know can produce you points now, maybe over the next you know two three years, and uh, those guys you can kind of continuously shuffle through. So that's that's pretty much my approach. 
Yeah, and you can buy older running backs if you're willing to, you know, maybe give a dollar ten on the dollar. It's it's nearly impossible to buy running backs. Like you're not going to be in your dynasty league that's been going on for a couple of years and and get a fair price on DeAndre Swift. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to pay with a rec- you're going to have to give Jamar Chase, you know, or you know, and then you're just never going to get even money. Whereas the running backs, if you want to buy older ones, you know, you can buy Melvin Gordon this year to fill in your RB two. You can buy yeah. Fernandez. and I'm sure these are some of the guys that we're going to talk about. Um, what, what do you think are, you talked about win now. And I saw a poll that I referenced on Twitter. Actually, Jordan McNamara brought my, from football guys brought my attention to it. And it was, what's your favorite part about dynasty fantasy football. And amazingly, only 37% of people said winning. You know, somebody is like 20 something percent said trading another percentage said like, you know, getting rookie picks. So in any given year, you're only really competing with like seven people in your league because yeah. you've seen what happens. Somebody goes one and four. And what do they start doing? You know, it's like sell yeah, off. Tank is on. Yeah, yeah. The tank is <laughs> the tank is on. You know, hashtag tank is on. I'm going to be using that. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, a lot of teams in my league. Oh, you know, you're really only a middle of the road team. Yeah. That's fine because I'll grind my way. I'll look what the DFS guys are doing and what $3,000 receiver that I can put in my flex or whatever to do. So what do you think the biggest mistake that most even experienced dynasty players make? Oh, I definitely think just valuing your own assets too highly. Mm. Um, Like, you know, I, I think that we've all been in this position, whether it's like trade or you're trying to figure out your roster where, like there's just something there's like an anchoring bias that occurs when like this guy is already on your roster and then you know what happens like you 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 don't move off of him until it's too late you don't move off this player until he's lost the hunt of value or um you know you're trying to make a trade or, or or make a move and you can't quite get yourself to to pull the trigger and it's probably mostly just because that guy's already there um and you have experience with this player. Like this is someone that you have like kind of like a um, like an attachment to, uh, even though you maybe don't realize it. So, you know, I think valuing your own assets too highly can get you in a lot of trouble, especially like with your league mates. You know, like if you're the guy who's, um, you know, constantly marking up your own players. You know, like you're playing with these guys for a long time. Like they they get to know you pretty well, so you don't want to have that kind of reputation. So, yeah, I, I think that that that's a really big pitfall. I think you know. Um, you gotta be willing to reshuffle things. I mean, I I think that if you're if you're win now all the time, which is what I'm trying to do, like that means like selling some guys that are really good now, you know, mm-hmm. because you think maybe in a year they, they might not be, and that's hard to do. But yeah, who's an example of of a player like that? Just that pops off the top of your head, someone that's really good now, but you think in 18 months from now is going to have lower dynasty value that might be, an you know maybe like a, a hidden or a sneaky sell sell uh, candidate right now. Yeah, I mean, we re- I wrote up Cooper Cup as a sell uh, maybe like a month ago for this reason. I mean, I he's coming off like the best receiver season maybe ever. I've, uh, you know, certainly like in like the in my own fantasy kind of lifetime, um, outside of like that one Randy Moss year maybe. So like, it's hard to sell a guy like that. It's hard to sell a guy that you know like is probably going to be like a top five receiver pretty easily. But then you look at the rest of his career and you're like, all right, well, like he's been hurt a few times. He is getting older. Um, they have added some other players. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, like, a year from now, you know, it, it, I don't think he's going to be, like, you know, wide receiver 30 all of a sudden. But, like, all it takes is one injury or one, like, non-perfectly dominant season. And all of a sudden, Cooper Cup is wide receiver 12 in Dynasty. And you can get a ton for him now. So, I think that's time. No, that makes sense. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if he finishes his wide receiver 13 on the year or wide receiver 11 on the year. And that's certainly not what his value is right now. You can, you can get a ton for him. Uh, but as you know, dynasty players are ages to a fault. Uh, they, yep. you know, I, I've done a ton of uh, videos on this where it, there's no better example. And I use it. Anyone who's a regular listener to this podcast knows that Mike Evans is the poster boy for this, like where he's wide receiver six in redraft rankings and he's wide receiver 23 in dynasty. And I always say that the dynasty players biggest leak in their game is that they don't let the redraft market do the work for them. I mean, sure. we're uh, the best, you know, you're, you're over at ETR and football guys and you're projecting and you're a great projector. The greatest projectors, do an okay job of predicting what's going to happen in the season in front of us. How the hell are you going to project what's going to be three seasons out? So win now all the time uh, shows that self-awareness that, hey, you know, it's 
who knows if we're all going to be alive in three years? Who knows if this, uh, if the, if, <laughs> if the, your league's, you know, going to be healthy in three years. So yes, win now all the time. Uh, let me just take a, a, a quick break here just to let everybody know that if you love fantasy sports and you're ready for a new challenge, Dynasty Owners, the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding strategy and running actual franchise, Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as a Dynasty Owner general manager. You will have complete control of your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents. Can you create a Dynasty of Champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com. Use promo code ROTO5 to receive $5 off any new team. I'm here with Anthony Amico from Establish the Run. Does some great work over at Football Guys. And we're talking about uh, Dynasty in general, but we're going to talk about the top seven running back values. And specifically, because Anthony is a wide receiver, first type of player. Uh, a lot of sharp players do that. I, you know, The market has gotten so crazy, Anthony, for wide receivers and startups that I've been forced to go running back heavy approach. Um, is there a point where they're just, you know, I mean, people are pushing up these receivers that would, you know, two rounds to go receiver that you would pivot off that strategy? Uh, yes, I mean, I think that there's a line, but I, I don't, I probably don't think that we're there yet. Just because, well, I, I guess really two reasons. Like, number one, I still want to, I still want to invest in the more stable asset which is still going to be probably the receiver or the quarterback. I mean, that's what's great about Superflex is that you get the quarterbacks in there too. A um, couple of good tight ends, like I would say Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, they're probably in that group too. Um, I, I still think that those are going to be more stable assets. Like even if like, I mean, if I could start my team, I think in the, in the magazine mock, it was you or, or someone else had like, you know, like Dalvin Cook as like his RB3 or something like, like something crazy. Like that's wild, you know. Like you can do some of that stuff. Was, in, wasn't, in me. wasn't me. Wasn't <laughs> me. Like that. That that'll happen sometimes. But the thing is that like it's gonna be great for year one, but like it's not gonna be so great in the trade market. It's not gonna be so great in year two, year three. Um, so kind of it's kind of becomes I guess like a risk a risk tolerance kind of issue. Um, but the the second reason is that like I still don't think that like dynasty players are necessarily targeting the right the white the correct wide receivers. Um, I think that it's easy to just be like, oh yeah, like, I'm going to take a receiver. But uh, these young guys, especially like the guys who maybe haven't broken out just yet, I think those players are still probably undervalued a decent bit. Give an example. Um, Who's one or two? Is it like the Michael Pittman types? Well, I felt like Rashad Bateman was going pretty overlooked for for most of the offseason. Not you know, I mean, now probably not as much now that Marquise Brown's gone. But I mean, even Marquise Brown, like I, I like he's still 24 and he's been really productive. And, and I feel like dynasty players don't really love him. So. There's still players out there that I feel like you can get, um, you know, a pretty big piece of that. Uh, like even even in a wide receiver heavy startup that can add value. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I- I'm baffled that it, I understand why people take Chase as the wide receiver one. I mean, I wouldn't do it. I, it's not like I wouldn't take him as the two or three. It's you know I'm picking uh, picking my spots here at the top, but you know it's. It, there's going to be weeks because if T Higgins, if the dynasty market has T Higgins as a top 12, top 10 wide receiver, just by, you know, logic, T Higgins is going to have those weeks. I mean, we saw it last year where Chase was down and with single digit fantasy points for multiple weeks while the defense has switched over to him. And, but, you know, you look at him versus Justin Jefferson. I mean, Justin Jefferson, am I out of line here saying that he's the clear cut and it's not even close wide receiver one in dynasty? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's clear cut. I think it's fine to have Jefferson first. We have them, you know, we have Chase one, we have Jefferson two. Uh, we literally have them one spot apart. So, like, I think it's really close. I mean, I think both of these guys are just insane. Um, and I definitely think that Jefferson could take even a further step forward this year just because of the stuff in Minnesota with the coaching. And um, I think they'll throw a little bit more. But it's still Chase for me. I mean, I, I think, like, when I look at it, I'm like, all right, well, they played together in college and Chase was a lot better. And then they played at their rookie years and Chase's was also really good. Um, the quarterback position, I think like that's their it. overall offensive stability is better. That's it right um, there. That's the that's the yeah. argument. When someone comes at me with the Chase number one, the the three to four year outlook on the quarterback is better. I, I will see that. But you know, it seems like Kirk Cousins somehow became a, uh, a trendy name to pick as a top five quarterback, which, again, I'm, that's not me. Like, I'm okay. All right. He could be a top 12 quarterback for me. And I could see, I mean, he's always been good, but, you know, it's 
just because they, you know, they have a Rams coach there now, I mean, that all of a sudden means they're, that he's going to be a top five guy. I mean, I, I think that you have to have, you know, running some sort of running game to your, you know, to your quarterback, some sort of mobility in order to launch into that top five. But you're talking about the narrative with uh, playing with your college quarterback. Why is Jalen Waddell not getting that same respect. I mean, he arguably had just as good as a season as, as Chase. Where are you on Jalen Waddle? He's playing with his college quarterback. He hasn't even unlocked the piece of his game where he was known for. I mean, he showed diversity in being able to play the short game. So why doesn't Jalen Waddle get that same respect as a top five uh, dynasty wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, we have him wide receiver eight. Like, he's right there for us. Uh, I think the market's probably lower on that, lower than that. Like, Oh, yes. That... I think people are just conflicted with the Tyree kill thing. Like I, I think that it's easy to be like, all right, well, Tyree kills coming in. So that means Waddle, he can't produce, you know, like he can't do, he can't, he can't be a wide receiver one if Tyree kills there. But I mean, we see it, we are seeing it currently in Cincinnati, right? Like obviously like if the offense is good, the wide receiver two in a, in a really good offense is gonna be better than the wide receiver one in, in a bad one. And Waddle's really young and, and has already had a prolific rookie year. So Definitely big time in on, on Jalen Waddle. You mentioned the two a thing. I definitely think that it matters. Um, like I, I the thing that I don't understand is like people do this whole thing where it's like, oh, like, you know, two is gonna kill Waddle's A dot and like he can't be a full route tree player. And it's like, well, like they did play together and things worked out pretty well for a while there. So right, like we already I saw don't know it. if you can really Yeah, like I don't know if you can really make that argument that like two is gonna hurt him. Um, I don't think Tyreek's going to hurt him. I think that, I mean, honestly, the only thing that, that I could see as being like a real pitfall is just like, you know, if, if Mike McDaniel is, is just like a Shanahan clone, they don't throw the ball enough, mm. but you know, I still think that, that both those guys can get theirs. I mean, you have them both. You're going to use them. I think it's an, what's an interesting dynasty strategy for this year. So it wouldn't be surprising. In fact, I think it's likely that either Tua or Tyreek in the first month of the season, one of them you're just like, oh my god, what did I what did I get here? Like one of them's just going to be bad, right? Yeah. Is it a buying opportunity, especially if it's Tyreek Hill, because you know he's the older player, he's in the new system. If he has three bad weeks in a row, do you think there? And when I, you know, it's always like buy low, sell high. I mean, but is that a legitimate buy low if that happens? I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm probably more in the camp to sell Tyreek Hill. While you can, if you can, um, I, I just don't. I think that like in the in the Waddle Tyreek dynamic, like the guy who loses out for Dynasty to me is clearly Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, he's an older player. He's a player whose game is predicated on speed. Like I, I don't think that we generally see guys like Tyreek Hill age very well. Um, and I guess you know maybe it's hard to get out from under him now, just because I think there is maybe some skepticism about how he'll perform. Like, I don't necessarily think that he'll be bad uh, in Miami right away, but I, I just think that like two, three years out, I, he's probably still not someone that I want to hitch my wagon to. Yeah. A lot of dynasty players, what they do with a player like Tyree kill is what they'll do is they'll just try to like swap them for a younger player. What I think you try to do is with a player like Tyree kill is you package a pick with him and then you move up a tier. So for example, yeah. um, in this off season, one of the trades I made and you could pan this if you want. I'm, I'm never offended at this kind of stuff. I took A.J. Brown once he was traded to the Eagles, added a first-round pick to it, and moved up to Chase. Something like that, where you take wide receiver 12 to 14, add a first, and move up to the elite tier. Moving up a tier. You could do that at any tier. So maybe with Tyreek Hill, there, there's an opportunity there. Who do you think is a player maybe you can you add your I know 23 firsts are like, uh, you know, Bitcoin from two Old years ago. Right yeah, now. I would it's say Bitcoin insane, from yeah. two years ago. But yeah, yeah, it's like there's nothing more valuable in fantasy, right, than the 23 firsts. And meanwhile, just by the 30% of them are going to be totally bust, you know, and then 70% will be usable. So, um, so who do you think is a player that you would target if you have Tyreek Hill, you want to add either a first or a second pick, round pick with that and move up a tier? So who's a, a couple guys that you think we could target? Well, I mean, if I could do it for Waddle, I'd, I'd love that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm still targeting. I'm still targeting Waddle. I'm still targeting DJ Moore, um, T. Higgins. It, it really depends on the dynamics of your league. I mean, I, I don't know how. You know, I think that I, I think that how people are viewing some of these receivers, Waddle, Higgins, uh, even like a DK Metcalf. Like, I think that these guys' values are gonna are gonna change like pretty dramatically between leagues. Um, I also honestly think that like. Drake London is, is better right now than Tyreek mm. Hill. Like, I, I don't think that Drake London is getting his due as a, 
super, super productive collegiate receiver. I, I know it was maybe just for the one year, but, you know, played with some NFL talents at USC, uh, has all that, you know, age and, and experience kind of breakout metrics that we like. Um, and is in a position where he's going to see a ton of volume, like I would assume in Atlanta. So like, why aren't people more excited about Drake London? Like I would trade Tyreek for Drake London straight up if I could. It's literally the next question on my list. It's almost like you could see my through my see through my screen. It says, "Why?" Here, I'm going to read it verbatim. Why doesn't uh, uh, Drake London get the respect of a traditional WR one? I mean, you just answered the question, <laughs> right? And you know what? It's because he's had a quiet offseason. We haven't heard. I haven't seen yeah. one single blurb. I haven't seen that he's done good. I haven't seen that he's done bad. I haven't seen you know uh, nothing. And I think that's kind of a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's like. This we're in like that part. I think we're just maybe going to start to get out of it within the next couple of weeks, but we're still in like that crazy part of the off season where like we're just, we're we're just like making up news. Like like anything that happens, anything that happens, we want to have a reaction and we want to add or subtract value as a result of it. And it's like nothing's happening right now. Like I, I don't know how to say this like more plainly. Like nothing is happening right now. Um, well, let me ask you about that because the new Traylon Burks. The the no news news is fo- making him fall like a stone. I mean, he went at one eleven or one ten in a, a recent rookie draft. He was the one one in single quarterback league. I mean, sorry, the one two after Brees Hall in in some leagues. I did. He was the one no later than the one three or the one four in rookie drafts that I've done. Now the one ten. Yeah. I mean, is there anything Ridiculous. to to the news? So are you just totally give me your level of dismissal on Traylon Burks? Can't breathe. Isn't had a great doesn't ha- hasn't had a great start to camp. Off season, I mean, like a hundred, a hundred percent dismissal. Hundred, mm. like I, I could, I, could, I couldn't possibly care less. Like I, I just, this dude played, this dude played in Arkansas in the summer, man. Like I, I'm not really that worried that like, like this breathing thing. Like there's no way that this is new. Now, like I think if you've been paying attention, this is this is my thing. Like if you've been paying attention, then you know that that Traylon Burks had you know some conditioning question marks while he was in college. Like this shouldn't be new to you. Mm. Um, you know that. The, the range of outcomes on Traylon Burks is huge. Like to me, if you've done the work, you know that Traylon Burks still has elite wide receiver one upside, but he also has like Nikhil Harry, like JJ Ortega Whiteside, like out of the league, you know, out of your off your team in, in two years downside. Like, like to me, it's just nothing has changed. Who, so if you're the, buying the upside, you're, you should still be buying it. Yeah, who's the player comp upside? Yeah, I, I like that Nikhil Harry, J.J. Arcega. By the way, you did that great with the Fega. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Right there. <laughs> I, uh, but who was uh, who's the upside comp for Burks? Uh, so we, yeah, so I mean, we did a, we did a bunch of player player level comps uh, at ETR. I mean, he still has like Mike Evans, mm. um, like the bigger the big receivers. You know, um, I was going to say the range Dez. Of outcomes. Is Dez Brown. Is Des Bryant a fair one? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, that's kind of like that. It's like that kind of guy where it's like big, but still pretty athletic. Uh, You get trolled. Here um, you go. Getting trolled in the comments. Here it is. Uh, uh, He he means Kyler, uh, Kyle Phillips. I'm just assuming, but we'll have my goodness. Put some respect on this guy's name. (laughs) Well, it's a troll comment. You know, come on. They're just coming. at you. All right. I get, I get, we're about uh, 26 minutes in. We haven't even talked about our main topic. So we probably should get there before the YouTube trolls say, Hey, wait a second. I thought this was a running back, but this, all of that conversation sets up because Anthony Miko from establish the run and does some great work over football guys has uh, he's a wide receiver, heavy drafter. I drafted with him in the Rotowire magazine, which should be out at the, in the beginning of August. And uh, I want to know what the hell he's going to do with his running backs in these drafts. So what he's going to tell us today is we're going to go back and forth. We're going to count down the top seven ish. It might be five, might be eight. Who knows? Um, running back values in these startup drafts. So why don't you give us your first running back value? We'll call it number seven for the purpose of a countdown. Uh, sure. I mean, I, I think it's Brian Robinson, uh, Washington football team slash uh, Washington commanders slash whatever you want to call them. Um, I mean, I think that this is like the rare instance where a rookie running back has like tons and tons of dynasty value. I mean, you're going to see young guys kind of all over my list. By the way, you can but, you can get Brian Robinson in any pick you want, more or less. I think I just got him in the 17th right. round of a Superflex star. Maybe it was like the 14th round. But he, he in a rookie draft, he doesn't go in the second round of a rookie draft. Like, you can 
Terry and Davis, well, I don't want to say jump the gun here, but he goes in the third round of rookie drafts in most, and I'm in pretty decent leagues. Like maybe somebody pushed him up to the second, but Brian Robinson, I guess the reason is, is because the perception is he's got, uh, you know, he still has Antonio Gibson there. They JD McKissick signed back for the pass catching. So where is the upside with him? I mean, I, I think right away, like we're talking about someone who could definitely carve out a role, like coaching staff since the second they drafted him, which was in on day two, which is significant. Like day two running back selections uh, have you know a much better chance of, of producing than, than day three, which I feel like are the guys we always fall in love with. Um, you know, but he's been talked up as being like the new Jace too, where it's like, oh, you know, like Antonio Gibson, he can be our D'Angelo Williams, uh, Brian Robinson, he can be our Jace too. And all of a sudden we have this, this tandem, um, you know, I think that there's definitely room for him to have a role. He, he's big. He's gotten a ton of love throughout the draft process for his pass blocking work, which we know is always like That's the big, the big stick in the mud to getting these guys on the field is can they pass block? Brian Robinson can. So, you know, I, I feel like he has upside in terms of can he get a goal line role? He has upside in terms of can he get a pass catching role? Like he's almost like, I guess without doing anything, he's at minimum like a dual handcuff, right? Like if anything happens to JD McKissick, he's up. If anything happens to Antonio Gibson, he's up. But there's also this potential that like he just surpasses one or both of those guys, you know, over the next 18 months or so. And uh, yeah, you have someone who's like a legitimate, like top 16 kind of running back. But I think even without like those extreme situations, he's going to be playable. And that makes him, I mean, he's young, like it's so hard to get young players that late in the draft that have, that have potential. And I feel like Robinson is one of those guys. Yeah. When you're doing rookie drafts, I think that as a, you know, there's always going to be exceptions, but a, a good rule of thumb is once you hit the late second round in rookie drafts, early third round, you should just be taking shots on day two, day three running backs over these wide receivers. Some, and again, I know you love wide receivers, but this is the point when you hit pick like 2.9 in a rookie draft yeah. or a third, you know, Tyler Algier, those type of guys, you know. Why do you think Tyler Algier is getting more buzz and more uh, – he's just basically getting drafted ahead of Brian Robinson, and he was taken in the fifth round, which is basically like he might make the roster, probably will, but who knows, right? Whereas we know Brian Robinson is going to have a role. So what do you think the Algier um, – why is he getting pushed up? So you know how like in redraft, like people talk about like the RB dead zone where mm-hmm. it's like these guys get pushed up because – they're not necessarily good, but they're projected to have volume. Like that's kind of the thing I feel like with Algier, and like he might be good. Like I, I don't ha- like he actually like graded out pretty decently for me, so I don't have like a an issue with him. But like my just point is just capital. to say like just, yeah, yeah my, right. My point is to say like the draft capital still isn't great. Like people are projecting him into a role because they don't see you know Cordaro Patterson, Damian Williams. They don't see these guys as threats, so he's projecting better. Doesn't mean that he's going to produce better long term. Like it's 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 kind of like a it's kind of like a trap in terms of the value that we're giving him additionally, just because of the, the, the uh, competition that's there. All right. Don't reveal anyone else on your list, but are, is your list mostly made up of younger player, younger running backs? Uh, yeah. Okay. Have a lot of which is, which here. is great because mine's all dusty veterans. So it, this, this for us. Yeah. This works for us. So, <laughs> Uh, YouTube audience, stay with us, but audio, uh, the podcast audience, just hang on. We're going to be right back after this message. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we're back. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm with Anthony Amico from Establish the Run. Of course, he does also some great work over at the Football Guys. And we are talking about running back values in Dynasty Fantasy Football. Anthony is a known wide receiver hoarder. Takes all the young wide receivers in your draft. So if you're drafting with them and you want a young wide receiver, you better be ready to elbow him out of the room. But he needs to find running backs. And so far, he's identified Brian Robinson as his, his number seven uh, must-own uh, running back value. All right, I'm going to go. Everyone hates Zeke Elliott. I'm the only one that likes him, okay? And, <laughs> I mean, all of the, you know, it's so he'll be our number six best running back value for me. And... I mean, he's he's only 26 years old. He's being treated like he's 126 years old. Let, you know, it, I know yards per carry is not it, it. It's the stat we use, okay? It's not the best stat, but yeah. it's the one we use. It bakes in mostly everything. The yards per carry was right around where it was. The con, you know, we talked about playing dynasty in win now mode. If you're going to give him to me at, at RB20 in dynasty, RB15, RB16 in redraft, I'm just going to take him. It's not that I think that. I mean, Zeke was the RB6 or RB7 last year. It's not like he didn't do it. And it's, it's, I'm not saying that he's going to be this top three league winning guy, but Zeke's superpower is that he's very durable. And when he's not even on the midweek injury report, that is value. You don't have to like go fighting everybody for the net and blow your budget on the next running back. So just based on availability, his role, and if he gets you 14 fantasy points a week with a couple spike weeks, Again, I'm not looking to win my league with every pick. When I have deep rosters, when you're playing an FFPC or you're playing on Sleeper or the NFFC, you need guys that you could stick in your lineup that have definite roles. To me, nobody else wants them. I'll take them. So that's going to be number six. Uh, just, just You can shit on my Zeke thing right now. Go ahead. <laughs> if you'd like. Well, no. I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to pander, obviously, because uh-huh. I'm, I'm not a confrontational person. But um, no, I think that um, the thing that's crazy with Zeke to me is that like, you say he's 26. You say that people treat him like 100. I think he. I think his body might actually be that old, though. That's the thing. Like he doesn't miss games. I'm, he doesn't miss games. I'm torn. I'm torn on him from the standpoint that I think that I think that Dallas has made it clear that like when he's uh, when he's feeling all right, that they are going to they are going to just like ride him. Like they they don't they know it's a sunk cost. I think that they know. I think that they know they missed they messed up with this contract, but like they still are trying to save face this thing and, and use this guy. Now, like the thing is that like after this year, it's kind of up. Like, I, I think that 2023, like he may not be the running back there. Uh, and that really complicates things for me. Um, I'm not really sure that he's going to get a big enough role somewhere else uh, to see this. Now, what's interesting is that Tony Pollard is also up. Uh, Dallas has really managed to really bungle this up very well for themselves where like if they, if they want to move on from Zeke, you're either going to have to pay Pollard or draft another running back. So I think that the whole situation in Dallas is is kind of difficult to invest in, but I, I'm st- I still can't really pull the trigger yeah. on, on Elliott. Yeah, we won't. I won't belabor too much. But his dead cap next year is still 11 million. So I think that you know dead cap alone 11 million. That I think that keeps him on the roster through 23. So you're looking at a two year window. I know what you're saying. If they absolutely wanted to get out, they could. But 11 million is probably gives him an 80 percent chance to stay on the roster. Do you think that's yeah. fair? Yeah, that's fair. That's okay. fair. And also, like I said, 15 games in every season except for the one where he's suspended. I, I, I talk about Zeke on every podcast. All right. Who's our next? <laughs> so, uh, who's going to be our next uh, best running back value in Dynasty? We've covered Brian Robinson. I said, Zeke, you're up on uh, number five. Yeah, we're going to stay in that division. I'm going to go with Kenny Gainwell uh, out of Philly. I still haven't given up on Kenny Gainwell. I thought last year he, he had a great receiving profile. Um, that's usually the kind of back that I want to target in these wide receiver heavy builds. Like I, I want the guys who can get me PPR points, who can get me catches. I thought that Gainwell's role with the team kind of ebbed and flowed last year, to put it nicely. I thought, you know, he had some weeks where he was used a lot. He had some weeks where he wasn't. And I really thought that he would play more than he did uh, in the games where Miles Sanders wasn't used or, or was injured. Like I, I, I wasn't expecting as much Boston Scott. So I was wrong there. But I'm still not giving up on Gainwell. Like I, I still think that he's – clearly the best receiving back that they have. They haven't really shown any interest in throwing the ball to Miles Sanders. 
And I think that the AJ Brown trade does indicate a desire to throw the ball a little bit more like they did in the first half of last season, maybe not to that extent, but they want to eventually, I think, get back to throwing the ball a little bit more. Can Jalen Hurts do that? I don't know. But the thing with the Eagles is that they have positioned themselves to be in play for one of the top quarterbacks in next year's draft class if the Hurts thing doesn't work. So, you know, I think that by 2023, either Hurts is going to have taken a big step forward and this is an offense that can throw the ball a little bit more, or they're going to just get rid of Hurts and they'll have C.J. Stroud or one of these other top quarterbacks mm-hmm. next year's class. And this could be this could be a passing offense as soon as 2023. And if that happens, you know, Gainwell's your guy. Yeah, that it's it's funny that you don't hear much talk about Gamewell. One other sharp analyst, uh, Joe Dolan over at Fantasy Points, uh, kind of whispered him to me, and you're the second guy. So uh, I've started draft. So I'm gonna start drafting him a little more. It's, you know, say that he's he again. He's pick your round that you want him in. You want him in twelve. You want him in fifty. You can have him. Like the the dynasty startup drafts are giving him to you. You know, I mean, there's starting to be a little bit more buzz now, um, which is interesting. But yeah, from a long term play, I like that. And you're just, I see what you're doing here. You're stacking guys. One of all you need to do is hit on one of them. So I'm going dusty veteran again because I'm assuming uh, it just the the value on these guys is so good in in a two year window. That's what I'm thinking. Um, You know, it's you always often hear about like the productive struggle as a dynasty strategy. It's like I don't have I don't have the stomach for that. You know, I can I can't pick guys that are going to win for me in two years when I just want to win for two years. So it's. Uh, but you're talking about now at the end of your draft value, guys. All right, my next guy uh, is uh, – I have a whole list here I can go with. But I'm going to say uh, James connor has got a real nice two-year window ahead of him here. I mean, got the sure, money. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's a perception that James Conner is an injury guy. Um uh, my uh, Jim Coventry over at RotoWire gave me a good explanation. He said at Pittsburgh they kind of crowd the running, whereas they run more outside. There's going to be less linebacker hits. He's less likely to get more hits. And other than that six game stretch, he hasn't really missed more than any other running back. It's been like three games here, two games there. Uh, I know that he's, you know everyone yells regression on the touchdowns, but it, as as Kyler, you know, as as Kyler Murray until he gets that contract, I don't think he's going to be putting his body at risk either. So I think there's there's more upside here for James Conner. Now the, the Daryl Williams signing got me a little dubious, but James Conner's price in these drafts, I mean, he's going as I think the. 17th or 18th or 20th I mean you can get him in the eighth round and if you go on wide receiver oh, yeah. heavy I mean that's that's the perfect guy there so uh this is again is in direct contradiction to what your your best running back values are so just give us a quick line on James Connery down with him is uh once you've scooped up all the wide receivers and tight ends that you can no I love this I love this I mean this is the guy we want like he's someone that in redraft he's an RB1 so why is he going so late in dynasty you know I think like you said, it's just about the perception. Okay. Um, no, I, I love James Conner. This is great. Oh, great. Great. All right. That makes me feel good because uh, I've, I have too much James Conner. All right. You're up. So we're up to uh, that was uh, you're up to number four. Who's our fourth ranked best running back value for Dynasty? Okay. Yeah. So it's I'm not really sure what the reception will be like on this one, but I'm going to go Tyrion Davis Price. You did mention earlier. Um, you know, I still think he's going late enough where we need to be drafting him uh, again. Day two, day two pick. Um, Shanahan back. Like these are things that usually we like, but I think I think that there's like a little bit of like lover scorn here after the Trey Sermon thing. That that we don't want to go back to the day two Shanahan pick with with Davis Price, and I just think it's a mistake. Like I, Eli Mitchell is a sixth round pick. Right. I know that he was Shanahan's guy last year. Like if he was healthy, he was carrying the ball twenty times, like fifteen times, whatever. But like they still drafted this guy. Like, I, I think that at the price, no pun intended, like we need to, we need to be, uh, uh-huh. we taking a good advantage pun. here we, of the we, potential. We'd yeah. love a good pun on this show. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's, so you, you mentioned Trey Sermon, by the way, and, uh, it, this is not a one-time Shanahan third round picks, uh, scorn here. He did it. You remember with Joe Williams? Oh yeah. So that was, no, good- no, listen, Shanahan's a demon. There's no question, <laughs> but like they had no, they have no, they had, they had you know, a, a lack of picks and a lot of needs. I thought last year, and I still drafted this guy. Like, listen, I'm just saying, like, he's in the room. Like, we have to at least pay attention. And the price, the price is still low enough where we're not really paying attention. So I, you know, just pay attention a little more. Like, I'm not saying RB25, but like, you know, he's being drafted like 
close to RB50. Like, I think that that's, that's too low. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna show you some love on this one. This is great. He's moving up. Like, he was, uh, TDP was a, like, early third round rookie pick, moved to the back of the second round. In the last two rookie drafts that I've done, he's gone 2-3, 2-4, which is, I think, aggressive. But I get it. I get it. I mean, look, it, nobody wants Jeff Wilson in any of these drafts. I got him in the 28th round. But there's going to be two weeks where Jeff Wilson is the DFS must-start guy, right? I mean, he's in the room. Yeah. And if Tyrion Davis price is even, you know, most is advertised, he could he could be in a committee by week three and he could have the job by week six. It's, you said a six round pick is promised nothing. It's very rare you get like an Arian Foster, like a late round or an undrafted guy just takes over and that's it. They always draft over you. I love that one. You thought, it's funny that you thought you were going to get a cold reception on that one. Um, that to me so far has been your favorite, my favorite of, of them all, so. Oh, nice. All right, I'll take that. All right. All right, so as you see, Anthony is sticking with these uh, flashy uh, toys. And by the way, so if you're going wide receiver heavy, though, I mean, are these the, you can't roster all these running backs. Who's going to be a running back that you're just going to look to start? Like, who's some of the guys that if you've gone receiver, 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 tight end, receiver, now you need a running back. Who's it going to be? James Conner, man, you got okay, him. Okay. You got the guy. Okay, you got all, right, the guy. all right. So we're okay. That's no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, let's move along here. My next one. What are we up to? Number three. Uh, yeah. Really, this is the guy I would have at number two. So, and by, and by the way, we're we're counting these guys down. We might do eight, ten of these guys. I don't know. I'm, you know, we'll call them. Uh, it's you know how the SEO works. Top seven. This number. Top oh yeah. Ten. Yeah. So I get stuck in that, and sometimes, and but we're just gonna count down our favorite running back values in Dynasty. I'm gonna throw out Aaron Jones, man. I mean, uh, you know, I, I thought it would be hot, takey, or bold call. To say Aaron Jones can finish as the RB1 overall in, in 2022 redraft leagues, I don't think that's that hot. I mean, I don't understand why he's a second-round pick. If you're in a redraft league with me, you're not getting Aaron Jones in the second round because when I pick at pick 10, 11, 12, that's usually my pick. Uh, I'm, it, we saw the games without Devontae Adams. I know he's 27 years old, but this, as we know, Aaron Rodgers is a circle of trust guy, and there's one guy that we can be confident he trusts on that team, and we know Aaron Rodgers is there for at least two seasons, probably three with his contract, yep. and we know Aaron Jones, the contract runs out. I, I also acknowledge that A.J. Dillon is going to probably outcarry him, but he's not going to outpass him. This could be one of those... You know, 70-plus catch seasons, even when they get down the goal line. I mean, we've already seen Aaron Jones have 20 touchdown seasons, and I don't think he's ever had less than nine other than his rookie year. So if nine touchdowns is his floor, and you're going to let me have him in the seventh round of Superflex startup drafts every single time. I just paid a uh, 2023 first for Aaron Jones on a team that's loaded. I did uh, an Anthony Amico-approved draft with wide receiver in the first six rounds. I fell a little short on running back. I just gave my 23 first, and now I have him Him and Eli Mitchell as my two running backs. So Aaron Jones, 27 is scary, especially when that clock ticks to 28. Are you okay for him being a, a veteran value in Dynasty? Yeah, I was honestly shocked to see that that we were so much higher than the market on him. Um, and I actually did also just trade for Aaron Jones in one of my main leagues. What'd you um, pay? <laughs> uh, well, it was like a bigger trade. I, I gave up like Brees Hall. So the one, one. Um, yeah. Like a bunch of, uh, like a, and then like a couple older guys feeling, but I got back Jones. Oh, well, so it's a super flex leave. So Jack, Zach Wilson was in that trade and I got back hurts. I got back Jones. I got back. I'm on Ross St. Brown. So a little win now, a little win now, a little win, win, win later. You know, that's uh no, I'm like it. Well, I always think like your dynasty portfolio. And again, we'll get back to our running back, best running back values in dynasty. But I always think um, for me, my optimal portfolio is 50% win now, 25% totally speculative, and then 25% plausible upside guys. I mean, that would be my ideal balance, kind of like a 401k portfolio. Yeah. And the main reason that I, that I did a, that deal is just because I'm like, well, I think that Aaron Jones is probably going to ball out this year. Like if he's like a top five or top six running back at the end of the year, like I don't care what Brees Hall does in 2023. Like I, I, I'm trying to win this year. And like the, for me, the running back point guy, I really do want to get them at that price, like at, at top of the board type price. I, I want the points now. I don't want to have to wait for them. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think that Aaron Jones is, is a great call. You mentioned the receptions. Like I'm a huge AJ Dillon truther. Like I think mm -hmm. we're ahead of market on him too. 
but like there's room for both of these guys because there's no receivers and there's not going to be like, and we've seen the games that Devontae Adams has missed. Aaron Jones has caught, you know, five plus catches in all of them. Oh, you mean you're not buying into Alan Lazard is going to get Devontae Adams' workload just because Aaron Rodgers said uh, he's my wide receiver one? Yeah, no, that's a pass for me. That's a pass for me. <laughs> no, I, I like the price on Alan Lazard in, in redraft, like the 10th round. Sure. Yeah. Like, especially if, you know, I'm a running back heavy guy. Uh, let, let's stick with this and then we'll, I have some, uh, we'll, we'll crowbar in some philosophy questions, strategy questions. Um, all right. Who's your next running back value? You're a wide receiver heavy drafter. Who are some of these guys that you're targeting Dynasty? Yeah, so I'm going to go, I'm going to stay with rookie, but I'm going to go a little further up the board. Uh, and that's James Cook. Mm. Uh, still not getting enough love, I don't think. Where should um, he go in rookie drafts? Because right now, you know, he went from being like pick 12 to pick 10. Now I see him pick 7. Given your receiver love, where would you take him in just rookie-only drafts? Yeah, I think in, I think in rookie drafts, like, that range is still fine. Um, I, I, to me, it's fine in rookie drafts to value the running backs a little bit more because we know that when running backs produce, they do it in their first couple of years. They do it when they're young. So, like, I'm okay with taking those running backs in the rookie drafts that value is lower than what they would be in startups to me. Uh, then they produce, then you flip them. Right. So I think that's kind of the, the carousel you'd like to have. Um, but, but a guy like cook to me, like I, I just think that in the most or one of the most aggressive passing offenses in football, like I want the guy that's going to catch the passes to me, that's James cook. Like this team has shown really no outside of the last like handful of weeks, like, no real consistent love for uh, Devin Singletary. They tried to sign JD McKissick. Like it tells me that they want a receiving back. Um, I mean, Cook is like Cook is like around this close to two hundred pounds. Like I'm good with that. Uh, he doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be too big. Um, so you know, I think if you get this guy on the field again, really good offense, catching passes. That means he's on the field. That means he has position. He's in position to score touchdowns. Like it doesn't. They're gonna play fast. You know, you know what? Um, and I like that pick. You know what James Cook reminds me of? Do you remember Alvin Kamara's uh, rookie year? Mark Ingram was there. I mean, we thought of Mark Ingram more than we think of Devin Singletary. We know, Definitely. yeah. We you know Drew Brees at that time was considered an elite top quarterback. The Saints were one of the best offenses. Yet Alvin Kamara in redraft went in the ninth, tenth round. Where's James Cook going? The seventh, eighth, ninth round. And Alvin Kamara in rookie drafts was going pick seven, eight, nine. And where's James Cook going? Seven, eight, nine. And it's, I know Alvin Kamara, and it's, you know, James Cook has better draft capital than Alvin Kamara had. So this is yeah. starting to be eerily similar in narrative. You never know. I mean, he could end up being the, the best pick. That's always what uh, there's a dico- there's something that's happening in redraft and in Dynasty that's blowing my mind where. Both Bills running backs are not taken in the top five or six rounds, yet they're a top three offense. But both Dolphins wide receivers are taken in the top 30 picks, and nobody likes Tua. (laughs) I I just, it doesn't like add up to me. So, why aren't the Bills running backs, both of them, Singletary and James Cook, being pushed up into the fourth round? Well, I think that. I think that because the last couple of seasons, because Zach Moss wasn't working and Devlin Singletary for the most part wasn't working, like there's the percep- perception that two things will be true in Buffalo. Number one, they're not going to score any touchdowns. Josh Allen's going to score the touchdowns. And number two, they're going to be a committee that completely takes the value out of both players. Now, I think, I think some of that is probably going to be a little true, right? I mean, Josh Allen's still going to score some touchdowns, but like, I don't know, man, you start getting into, you know, these long-term contracts, big money. Like, are you going to be running your quarterback? at the goal line as much i would imagine probably not um but uh, offense this good there's going to be plenty of touchdowns to go around and uh you know maybe part of the reason that they've always had an rbbc is because they've never had a running back good enough uh to ride a little bit harder and i don't even really care like if james cook is getting you know four five six catches i don't care if he only gets eight to ten carries like that's fine this offense is good enough to make that work yeah, I, I, I like that pick with James Cook. I, I think in the beginning, it just shows you, like, nothing's happened in football, but my uh, James Cook take in uh, right after the draft was he's a sucker's pick in the first round, and now I'm like, get him at pick four. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah. it, <laughs> it's just funny how your own opinions evolve, and I need, that's a leak in my game is I need to just really just think about it, not just get ready to push the take out there and then stick with it. And obviously things change and you change your opinions and things like that. So uh, just sticking with the topic of rookie drafts before we just go back onto our, our running back values, uh, super flex rookie drafts, Kenny Pickett. Uh, I still believe a first round pedigree 
quarterback is worth taking in the top four or five picks. I, I mean, I would take him at pick two if I was desperate a quarterback. I don't expect you to agree with me there, but with all the question marks around him, where are you going to be on Kenny Pickett in rookie drafts in a super flex league? Uh, still probably like in that six to eight range. I mean, I think that the the top tier of guys, like I still want my Drake London. I still want my Brees Hall. Like the top, top guys, I still want to take over the quarterback. But like, I think I'm kind of at a point where like, pick it over Olave. Like I'm not really going to throw my hands at that. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I just think that, oh, like you said, no, nah, I'm still taking Burks. Okay. I'm still taking Burks. I, I, I think that ceiling is there. The, the, honestly, the biggest thing with Pickett for me is just that he doesn't run enough. He runs a little bit. Like I think he actually his, probably runs a little more than people think. His best highlight was um, the fake dive. That was a run. His number one highlight yeah. is a run. But that's I I, cool. I know what you're saying. I'm just, um, it's just ironic that he's not a running quarterback yet. The highlight that everyone knows is a run. Yeah, I mean, like I think the thing that, and this is something Pat Corrine has like said so much that like it's really ingrained in my head. Like you want to think about the trade value for these guys too. Like once Kenny Pickett's starting and he's throwing to like three like pretty good wide receivers and like they're playing in a decent offense people are going to forget about like the tiny hands and, and all those other you know what i mean like all of a sudden it's gonna be like oh like can he pick it he's he's young he's a rookie he's a starting quarterback all of a sudden the value goes up so like it, even if you draft can he pick it and you're wrong like there's going to be a window to move him i mean like jack wilson was terrible last year people can still get he's a, he, him for a decent amount he, you know like I, I think that there's always there's always room to move these guys if, if it happens after one of the worst fantasy seasons of all time zach wilson is still qb 14 in uh, startup drafts qb 15 something like that it's it's unbelievable um i'm gonna zip through my last couple i'm not even gonna do explanation and then we'll get to your how many more do you have here uh running back values that you wrote down uh, I have one more that I, that I okay. definitely want to talk All about. Right. So then I'm just going to zip through lightning round. I think Leonard Fournette is still a great value in Dynasty. Uh, you know, I just be, he's going to have the workload. He's a fifth round pick. If you're if you've gone heavy wide receiver, I like that one. Uh, Kareem Hunt, nobody wants him. Uh, he's probably one of the the best trade candidate. I could see a team like you know like the Chargers trading for him if Isaiah Spiller doesn't work out. Uh, Kareem Hunt's still pretty young. You can get him. In any uh, any single digit round, which obviously I don't think you have to, but round eleven, round twelve in superflex drafts, and the last guy I wrote on there is if you've just pounded uh, the receivers, tight ends, and you've even taken one of your superflex quarterbacks, I like Ramondre Stevenson just to, as a boring fill in the gap pick, uh, double digit. So those are mine. Let's go to your any comments on those, or you just I saw Leonard Fournette. You didn't like that one. Well, no, I, I'm just laughing because my guy is Rashad White. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> kind of the uh, okay. the foil the foil there. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's room to buy both. Like, I don't think Fournette is going at like a dramatic price where you can't do this. But you know, I, I just think that White. I think that White's profile, like from the start, has just been really undervalued. So I think that we're still catching up a little bit there. Like he's he had a an extensive extensive receiving uh, profile in college. Um, ran the ball well enough at high efficiency, which I think is at what you want to see at minimum. Uh, and he has requisite requ- requisite weight uh, to take on a load and to and to be used around the goal line long term. Now, like, listen, like this is Tom Brady's team. Like, I have no illusion that that Leonard Fournette is getting the ball, but like, I still think that there is room, and I still think that they've been looking for the you know for the last couple years for like this receiving back. Like, I don't think that they want to throw Fournette the ball this much. I just don't think that they've had much other option, yeah. uh, and I think that White can be that guy. So this is kind of like a James Cook plus kind of situation where the plus is, you know. I think that the the running back value, if anything happens to Fournette, like like White being like an RB one immediately is is super in the range of outcomes. Do you think if something happened to Fournette though, would it be is there a chance it would be a committee with you know Giovanni Bernard and you know nobody really loves Keyshawn Vaughn, but you think White's profile is just that good? Draft capital is fine in the third round, almost like a David Johnson esque type of player that yeah. he would just push those other guys out of the way, and also the fact that he's older, rookie, twenty three years old, that might be a good thing. He's fully seasoned at this point. Yeah, I think like you mentioned David Johnson, like that's exactly the guy. Like that's exactly kind of what we're looking at, where it's like, you know, the older players ahead of him. I definitely think more of Leonard Fournette than I think of like, you know, Chris Johnson mm-hmm. and whatever all those other guys were there in Arizona. But like similar kind of deal where you have this talented pass catcher who's big enough to handle uh, a rushing load, uh, you know, who has high efficiency, gets a chance. Like he could definitely do a lot in his rookie year. 
All right, man. Uh, that wraps up our, our running back values in Dynasty. And I, I, I purposely left a few minutes. I wanted to leave more time. I have a ton of questions for you. Just basically, how, how did you start doing fantasy football content? How did you end up doing uh, work for football guys and, and also all your rookie and Dynasty work at Establish the Run? Give me your uh, origin story of how it all started for you. Oh, gosh. Um. <laughs> and you can give me as, the cliff notes or you can go as long as you want. I'm genuinely interested. I know the audience will be, too. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the shortest possible version that leave, that doesn't leave out too much detail is that, um, you know, I, I was just really interested, obviously, in all this stuff. So I started just doing like a podcast with two of my best friends. Uh, one of them is Matt Lamarca. He works at like Fantasy Labs and a bunch of stuff. Like he's in the industry as well um, now. But, you know, we were just kind of like messing around and uh, some like hot click site like heard our podcast and was like, oh, like do it for us. So then we started doing that. Then I was just trying to do more content, so I started writing, and then uh, I started at Rotoviz. That was where I really started to to really do a lot more. Um, you know, submitted a writing sample and, and got to start there. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of where everything went. I've been like at a bunch of different places. I've worked for a ton of different websites, but I love where I am now. I mean, I think the culture at both ETR and Football Guys are are top notch. Definitely some of the best, and uh, I'm definitely I'm really happy. How long have you been doing work over at ETR? Uh, we're we're entering year two. I think it's probably like I want to say like May of last year is when I started. Yeah, I had heard you uh, on. I think you were on with like uh, I wish you were on doing more pods with them. I had heard you on a pod with them maybe right before, uh, not too long before we did the magazine mock. And when I reached out to Adam, uh, I you know to to do dynasty work, he right away pointed me to you. I said, "Great, this is you know we want real dynasty guys in there that know dynasty and know the game." And uh, why do you think that dynasty is back? I mean, because dynasty is actually an old form of fantasy football. Why do you think it's popping more? I mean, best ball obviously is in a good groove. DFS probably has hit its peak. I mean, it's still going strong, but why do you think dynasty now is, is starting to pop in popularity again? I mean, I think it's, I think it's reflective of the state of football, right? I mean, football is an, is an all year round sport. We can talk about the Super Bowl ending in February and, and not starting again until September, but the reality is like the schedule keeps you engaged all year you know you have the draft you have training camp you have free agency like like there is always something in the news pertaining to the nfl and dynasty is like the best way to keep engaged with all that uh you know through the off season and obviously like during the year as well so i I think that it's just i think dynasty football is like synonymous with with the football schedule and that's what makes it work it's making uh, dynasty makes it hard for me to play redraft i love dynasty so much i mean do you have a preference or do you like the formats equally redraft and dynasty uh, I probably prefer Dynasty. I think that, I think now, especially like with the best ball stuff, like it, it lets me do more. Like I can, I can play in more leagues and not have like that in season guilt when it's when it's all happening so much yeah. uh, when everything's happening, um, because it is fun. I mean, like when when the draft happens, when it, when it's rookie draft time, and you have like multiple leagues to go through, that's like the best time of the year. It's it's almost and that's in May. Yeah, that's that's completely apart from the season, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then startup season as well. So All right, I want everyone to go follow Anthony Amico on Twitter. He's one of my favorite follows. I, I enjoy your brand of putting out good football content and personality on there. I, I know you put out some other, you have, obviously you have a passion for other sports too. Is football is, is your primary, I'm assuming, because I saw you do some baseball and you love the NBA. So uh, are, those, are those the three sports that you mostly focus on? Yeah, definitely. I mean, football is, football is always number one in my heart. I mean, like I, I played it, I coach it, like I, I, I love the sport. Like it's done so much for me, I feel like in my life. Um, so I'll always have like a real close attachment to that. You know, basketball is great. I'm definitely growing there and, and baseball is cool too, but football is, football is, is the one. What position did you play when you played football? Well, I mean, the truth is, is, is left bench, but <laughs> I was a, uh, I was a receiver and a, and a D back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was to say, what were you listed on on the roster then? That's right. Yeah. And uh, you co- you coach high school football now? Yeah. Yeah, it's really great. Um, it's the same school that I teach at. I'm a coach there, and uh, I do special teams. I do the receivers. I do D-backs, and uh, it's great. It's a lot of fun. So working I, I, now, I'm fascinated a little bit. If you don't mind, i got a couple more questions for you here. What, no, you're good. You're so good. what do you think, you know, you hear today about the the modern-day student athlete. I mean, you know, remember, like, when, when we played athletics, it wasn't uncommon to play two, three sports. Do you find now yeah. that kids are just playing the one sport mostly? Is that how it works now? 
Yeah, the specialization is tough. You, you actually don't see the specialization as much in football because you can't play it all year round. Like there's no, there's no, it's not a tournament sport, you know, like you see it more in like baseball, lacrosse, uh, soccer, like, because that's what they do. Like they play and then they play it all year round. So I, I, I am not a fan of specialization. Maybe I'm biased because I feel like typically that's taking athletes out of my sport. Um, cause they're going to play something else. Uh, it's very rare that it's happening for, for football. Um, but, you know, I think that a lot of the research has shown that like being a multi-sport athlete gives you a wide range of skills, like all those skills translate into each individual sport. Like, I think you create a, a more well-rounded athlete and a more rounded, rounded person, obviously, if, if you're if you're doing more things. But, yeah, that's definitely, I think, the thing that's changed the most. Uh, I get why they do it, um, but it's it's a big change. What's the uh, the biggest uh, issue, the the biggest hardship that you face as coaching young athletes? Um, and again, I'm coming from a perspective where I used to coach middle school basketball. They drove me. My word. Yeah, they they drove me <laughs> out of the profession. I I referee high school basketball now, so I do all year round. You know, and I deal with coaches and players and parents, all the things. So, what do you think right now that the biggest challenge is a, a coach of, of varsity athletes is? Man, that's a really good question. I mean, I think that you just have to be, you just have to be like aware of, of the impact that you have. I mean, I, I don't know if that's something that people think about when they get involved in this because it's like you want to coach because you think about like winning and you think about like, you know, drawing up the perfect play and all this stuff. But I think like there's like a, there is like a mental fatigue that comes from being, and it's the same as being a teacher, like from, from having to like be really thoughtful about what you say, you know, where you say it, who you say it to, and just like the impact that, that you have on these guys' lives. Like you're not just, you know, to them, like you're not just their coach. Like in a lot of cases, you're, you're someone that they really care about, you know, the opinion they care about. Like you really shape a lot of how, how these kids feel and, and what they think. So, yeah, you have to really be mindful of that. Some of my most most treasured memories are from my coaches in high school athletes, uh, high school athletics. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, that, that's <laughs> I could I could do a whole podcast on this. You know, we'll have to have you back once things calm down, man. Uh, uh, tell everyone what you're working on right now and where they can find your work. Uh, I, I follow you on Twitter it's at Amixta, but you can I'll link all that in the video description below. What else uh, are you working on that you want to promote? Yeah, I mean, right now we've, we're, we're just updating the Dynasty stuff constantly at ETR. We'll have an update this week on the rankings uh, where we, you know, we update the ranks, then we do a change log where you can, you know, read about why we made some of the biggest changes that we made. I think that's a really useful tool. So definitely check that out. Uh, projections and rankings constantly being tweaked at Football Guys. And, uh, and I do have a sub stack, which is linked in my Twitter bio. Um, haven't had the time. Uh, to write as much as I'd like to. I was just going to say, I'm, man, I'm, I'm on your Substack, and I need more more free content, please. I'm, please. I'm hoping. I'm hoping to get there. But uh, what we do have at the Substack is uh, the the player comp projections app, which I built. Um, basically, in simplest form, like lets you put in a player. You can set the parameters how you like, but it's going to return to you the most similar seasons to that player since I want to say like 2015 or so. Uh, and we'll give you like a range of outcomes projection for this upcoming season based on how those players perform. So it's a really useful tool. Let's you see like, you know, whoever. should I be, should I be worried about James Conner? Like what other running backs look a lot like him? Um, how have they performed? And it gives you, I think just like one other thing to bounce off of when you're, when you're setting your, you know, when you're trying to set up for this season. All right, yeah, I mean, I, um, I saw you could put, like, the number of comps you want. You want five cops, ten cops. You can also change that as well. So I was on there checking it out. I advised everyone to do that. All right, Anthony, man, uh, you've been generous with me, generous with your time, generous with Rotowire. We val- value your input, uh, and I think that this conversation here, it gives people some, some things to think about as far as if you're going to be a wide receiver-heavy player – and even if you're not, but these are some guys that you need to target. Uh, Anthony was talking about some of the young guys. We'll, we'll link all those in the video description below, too. And we'll be back next week with another episode. I believe we'll have uh, Tom and Greg on from the NFFC talking about some high-stakes contests as those start to come to fruition. All right, everybody, good luck in your dynasty leagues. Trade for some of those guys that Anthony was talking about and uh, still take on some of those dusty veterans Story, that I was talking about. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.